Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slams it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And connecting with me now live via Zoom is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Just had a little staycation. Took the entire week off last week. Longest Ooh. vacation of my professional career. Uh, spent three days doing nothing and then went to DC for the weekend with my brother, little brother's trip. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm refreshed. I watched a lot of scouting report, uh, videos <laughs> in, in, in the last week. I felt like you were kind of ahead of me on the research and I felt less than, so I had to catch up and, but now I'm ready. I got takes. I'm ready to fire them off just in time to have someone who actually knows what they're talking about on the pod. I was about to say, thank goodness we brought in reinforcements because anyone that listens to the podcast knows that we we do like to do our crash course when it comes to the draft. But the real way that we help form our opinions is bringing in people that actually know what they're talking about. And we have such a person joining us today. Joining us from Yahoo Sports is Kristen Peake. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. Happy to be here. I just spent a week in Chicago and, you know, there was- Best city on earth, Kristen. I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) We we learned a lot of things in Chicago. We also didn't learn a lot of things because there were players that didn't play. But for where you guys are at 14, I think uh, you're in a good spot. And there was some good feedback coming about players in that range. It's actually a really good spot in the draft for the the players that are going to produce in the combine because you got a lot of guys that are maybe projected to be in the 20s that are trying to get into that late lottery conversation. You also have guys that may start off in that mix that eventually work their way into the top 10. Who stood out to you? And I, I know you did put out an article on this today at, at Yahoo Sports. I'll plug that for you to, to start it off. But who helped themselves the most uh, at this year's draft combine? Okay, let me just start off by saying this. The NBA draft combine differs from the NFL combine in that no one has to participate if they don't want to have, if they don't want to in anything, in anything. So even in measurements, you know, you saw Jalen Duran duck measurements. You saw AJ Griffin duck measurements, Jalen Duran, maybe a little undersized, not necessarily that six foot 10 AJ Griffin showed up maybe a little overweight. So he didn't want to have to get his measurements done. Uh, Chet Holgram, Palabin Caro, Jabari Smith, Jane Ivy, none of them ran through measurements. None of them ran through the combine. They didn't even meet with the media. They ducked their media time. And so the NBA, they combine, were just there eating deep dish and having a nice time, I guess. <laughs> the NBA combine has turned into this, like all a cart, whatever the agents want to do, they'll do. And the players that did decide to participate, like last year, we saw it bones Highland, Josh Primo played himself into the number 12 pick. This is a kid who came off the bench at Alabama. He was the number 12 pick last year. Bones Highland, number 26, Quentin Grimes, number 25. So we did see the value with a few players that played themselves in the first round. The first guy I want to talk about is Jalen Williams. He was by far the best player on the court. Out of Santa Clara, this low major school, 
that not a lot of NBA fans. Well, I please tell me any NBA fan that watched Santa Clara play this year. <laughs> we didn't uh, watch Duke play this year. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> definitely exactly. not Santa Clara. Santa Clara. I mean, he, he was, he's a six, eight wing, do it all uh, great defender, great shooter plays above the rim. He had 19 points in the last game that a part of the scrimmage. And when I asked him, I was like, did you want to, did you want to sit out the second game? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, no, I came here to compete. Like, what do you mean sit out? Because people are ducking competition left and right. So he was great. Michael Foster from the G League night lost 14 pounds and looks like a machine when he walked in the gym and he, he was strategic. He didn't wear a Jersey. He just wore his like wife beater the entire that's, time. That's, before savvy. that's very so, savvy. So he could show, he showed NBA scouts, like, look at me, I worked on my body and he was actually, he did himself a lot of favor too. So those two definitely stood out to me in the combine. Yeah, J- Jalen Williams is a, a really interesting one. And you start to hear some buzz about him either solidifying his spot as a first round pick or maybe uh, getting some consideration in that Cavs range. Um, you, you mentioned kind of the, the two way potential that he has. And I know one of the knocks against him has been maybe that the lateral quickness isn't necessarily at like an elite level that the feet might be heavy, but at the same time, he's someone that started to discover a little bit of that two way potential. Do you think that he is a player that should be in consideration when it comes to the lottery? Because when you look at like the size, the wingspan and, and just kind of the physical tools he brings to the table, it's really interesting, even though he is one of the uh, older prospects in this draft. I think you just hit that right there. Because he's so much older, I don't think we're going to see him hit the lottery. Josh Primo was special last year because the San Antonio Spurs picked him up at 12 because they knew. It's like 16 he, years old. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna stash him and we're going to develop him and we're going to make him about this culture and grow him as a player. Like Jalen is not that. Um, but he's still, I mean, he's going to be a first round pick for sure. Any help, but he will, I, I I'm never going to say never, but I don't think he'll be there. I don't think he'll be there at 14 and, or teams will not be wanting to take him at 14. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. The the other guy that kind of jumped out and Carter and I were a little split when we were talking about it last week was Dyson Daniels. And I, I feel like he's someone whose measurements seem to help a lot. And every video that I watch, it seems like he's hitting every single one of his threes. Now, that's a guy that I, I think both of us felt, oh, if he fell to 14, that would be really, really exciting. That'd be great. That, to, that to dream's over, it's, right? It, it's over. It's over. We're yeah. hearing top five now with Dyson Daniels can I tell you can I tell you my favorite story about the combine with Dyson Daniels so I show up to media availability I lived in Australia I lived in Sydney for two years so like me and Dyson already like I'm always like oh I live in Sydney where'd you live so we already have that connection and I'm sitting there and the PR person for the NBA Dyson showed up 10 minutes early to his media availability doesn't happen and and the media (laughs) the media person Mara she's like um, you're early. Do you just want to hang out back here? Like have a seat, get some water. And Dyson's like, oh, well, I was always taught if I'm not 10 minutes early, I'm not on time. We, <laughs> we can, we can already start this media session early. If, if people are here and they're, they're keen to talk to me and I'm sitting there like, what? <laughs> this doesn't, it, it's more, it's more of like the last second no shows of Shade and Sharp and Jaden Ivy. Uh, that everybody expects, but Dyson Daniels is showing up 10 minutes early and you're just like, okay, this is a kid that gets it. He's a lot taller 
in person than you think. And I think he's going to fill out nicely. And like you said, I watched his pro day. He was knocking down three after three after three. His handle got a little bit tighter from his time in the G League um, for playing for G League Ignite. I saw him in December. He still looked a kind of a little bit lost, but he looks like a player. Like I think if he doesn't go, if if Shaden Sharp and Keegan Murray go five and six, I think Portland takes them at seven. Yeah, I think you. Know, I get why he's getting that top five buzz because you got a guy like Sharp who has the all the all the skill set. He's got kind of the 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 tools, but didn't play basketball last year. And then you got a kid who plays the same position, has a lot of the same, uh, you know, ha- has that big two uh, body, but challenged himself against grown men last year. Like I feel like you have to kind of grade any of these G League guys on the curve because it's actually I think it's a lot harder of a job than going up against some enterprise rent-a-car salesman <laughs> Good Lord. in the MEAC. <laughs> no, you're totally right. I mean, when I look at the, the players that chose to go the G League route, like I was sitting with an NBA scout, we're watching Michael Foster dominate during the combine. And I said, if he would have gone to college, he would not have to play here right now. Mm. And But because he went to the G League and he was exposed, especially defensively, in one-on-one matchups with, with men that are like trying to put food on their table and eat and make the league. Like that is completely different than playing against your peers at the college level. And so I think we, we saw that with Mike Foster. We definitely saw that with Jaden Hardy who was a top five recruit coming out of college or sorry, coming out of high school. Like if he would have gone to college, I, I don't think him slipping to like the twenties would even be a question. Like, I think we would be looking more, more at him at, at the lottery range. And then Dyson just, he figured it out at the end of the season and completely shined and got the attention of all the NBA scouts. How, how do you define the tiers in this draft? Because it, it does seem like there's a lot of movement, a lot of buzz about a lot of guys getting into the mix of potentially becoming a top 10 pick. Do you think that's because this draft is looking stronger than initially anticipated? Or does this have more to do with outside of like that top four or five range? There not really being anyone that's like stepped up and solidified their case in that range. Like, do you, do you think this is a stronger draft than expected or just uncertainty because there aren't clear cut options? I think it's stronger in the sense where at the beginning of the year, we all thought it was just going to be a four person draft, right? Like after Jaden Ivy at four, it dropped off. But then we saw players emerge like Keegan Murray and Dyson Daniels late and Shaden Sharp putting his, his name in the hat and uh, testing the waters. No, he's staying (laughs) in the draft. Um, So I want to say probably after seven, then the tier drops off. And then you got another one probably like, you, you could tell me any player from like eight to 18, give me a good reason why he should be picked eight. And I would be like, you're right. That is a great reason. So that, that's the sense I was getting, which is a really good thing because I've had conversations with people. And every time I'll bring up someone, whether it's Tari Eason or Malachi Branham, like all these guys that I find really interesting and I'll hear, well, you know, they could really jump into the top 10. And I feel like that list is a lot longer than 14. And and I feel like at 14, there are going to be multiple good options there. And I, I know you did have uh, Branham mocked to the Cavs at 14 in your... He's not going to make it. He's not <laughs> going to make it there? He's not going to make it. He's not going to oh, okay. make it there. So, so what is it ab- about what he's shown so far that to you makes you feel like he's probably going to be uh, a little higher than projected? He a great size, 6'5". He's a 
like sturdy six five lead guard. He um, weighs as much as Agbaji, which I would not have expected. Right. No, he's solid. Like when I when I was standing next to him at his pro day, or not his pro day, his his media availability, I was just like, oh, okay, you definitely do not fit the stereotype of, you know, like a, a freshman point guard who <laughs> who needs that that extra year to kind of develop and grow your body. Like, no, he's solid. And he interviewed incredibly well. His pro day, he missed some shots. I don't think that's going to knock him. I know he's meeting with several teams before the draft, but he's just a player that a lot of guys, like I had a team tell me, and this is a team not even in the mix for the lottery. And I said, I was like, who do you take at five? And he goes, Malachi Branham. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> at five? That's, he goes, seems a little, like, that's a little rich for my blood. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. And, and like, and, and that's what, like, when you're not picking in that range, you have the freedom to say, whatever you can, you, you want. You can fire you can, off you can, some takes. You so you look smart later. Whatever, yeah, exactly. You can say whatever you want, but he just said to me, he's like his jump from the beginning of the season to the second half of the season was so incredible after that Nebraska game where he kind of like went off. He, he even said, he, he told me, he said, I didn't want that to be just a one-off game. Like I wanted to show NBA scouts and everybody else that, no, this is who I am. This isn't, this isn't just like a one-off game that, you know, he had 30 something points against Nebraska. Like he wanted to show like, no, this is who I am for real. So, so I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. That, um, I mean, that's just who he is as a player. So I, I did want to ask, we've talked about a couple guys who have really helped their stock that have gone from kind of the mid lotto to, you know, maybe as high as top five, top eight, who in the top, let's say 10 right now, do you feel like has a chance to kind of go the opposite way that, that might slip? You mentioned AJ Griffin didn't measure, looked a little out of shape, has those injury concerns. Is he a guy you kind of see that, you know, if you had to pick someone to fall, would it be him? It would be him. And then it would also be Shaden Sharp in the sense where, like you said earlier, he doesn't have a lot of casework and teams don't necessarily want to invest millions and millions and millions of dollars on a player that they watch film on from Nike's Peach Jam, you know, where he was incredible, but also that's high school basketball, not the NBA. I, I personally, like during the pandemic, I don't think anybody saw Shaden Sharp more than I did. I probably saw, I saw him several times during the pandemic. And this is when, this is back when he was like a top 75 recruit. And I said to him, I was like, well, who's recruiting you? He's like, Minnesota, Oregon, Iowa. And so I just said to him, I was like, well, where do you want to go to school? You're, I, I said, Shaden, I think you were a top 10 kid, you know? And it, he, I think he's rising too fast. Him and his people, his camp are in way over the head in this process. Um, and they just don't know how to navigate it, uh, cause they haven't hired like a big time agency yet. So mm. I think he hasn't had any media training. He's already a very soft spoken kid. And so he's not going to interview well, I don't think for teams. And so teams might be put off by that, but long run, I think he's all-star. I think he has all-star potential. So if does, he falls, does he slip out of the top 10 in your, in your eyes? No, no. I don't think so either. He doesn't, yeah. I think AJ Griffin might, um, who else is in that range? I mean, Matherin I feels like the safer, like if you're going to take yeah. a risky pick, he feels pretty safe. I think Griffin, if there's a guy who has that big fall, I mean, obviously like we, 
like you never know what people's medicals come back like, but like you think of a guy like that, he might be a guy that the Cavs could target because right. if he has a fall, sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes they're they're going through something physically and they're just not right. And, you know, I, I've mentioned the Michael Porter Jr. thing a couple of times. Obviously, that's not looking great for Denver right now. <laughs> but, like, they were able to get a blue-chip prospect in the middle of the first round because of circumstance, really. And I, I really think that they're the Cavs, because of the way that the draft is shaping up, where, as you said, 8 through 18, kind of anyone can go anywhere. Like, they might find themselves a better talent than maybe they you normally would at that spot. I've said it before, and I mentioned this in my latest mock draft, like AJ Griffin, if he's healthy, could end up being the steal of the draft, but he has to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And the track record has not shown that in his, you know, four or five year career from high school to his one year at Duke, even at the start of the season at Duke, he had a knee injury and had to work through that. And it's not only that, but when he's sidelined, you see him kind of put on bad weight, similar mm. to what Zion Williamson does. Uh, but when he's healthy, man, he is he is a position that every NBA team wants um, in terms of like a big guard, a versatile wing, uh, a tenacious defender, and someone that's extremely athletic and can, and can do multiple things for you. So this is a very high-risk, high-reward situation for A.J. Griffin. And if he falls to the Cavs, I mean, it's worth, taking a risk on him i think at 14 for sure yeah especially because this does feel i i know it is literally a lotto pick but it also feels like a lottery ticket where this team was so much better than the record and so much better than this position that they're in i do find one of the interesting things just consuming way too much draft coverage uh over the last few weeks one of the interesting kind of swing factors for the Cavs is how the centers are viewed and, and whether or not Duran or Williams will go in the lottery, because obviously that is not a position of need for the Cavs. So if one or two of those guys go ahead of them, that would obviously be, be beneficial when, it talk, when you talk about getting a, a wing prospect at 14. Although the other factor is Charlotte has those picks at 13, 15. So they may not want to take a center at 13, knowing that the Cavs are probably going to pass on that player they like, and they can just get them at 15. Uh, what do you, what's kind of the buzz around Dern and Williams and, and Williams feel, measurements were wild. Insane. Insane. Oh my goodness. He, that, that body fat percentage. I mean, that is, uh, I, I'm not, I'm close to that, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, his measurements were absolutely insane. Do you, do you feel like th those guys have solidified a spot in the lottery or is it still kind of up in the air? I think Williams has for sure. Mark Williams has. I mean, this is a, this is a guy who anytime, anytime at Duke, same thing with Wendell Moore, like you can go back and improve like working under coach K and John Shire. Anytime you can see that big, that big jump of improvement from freshman to sophomore year, you know, he's going to be a productive pro and Mark Williams proved that he's more than just a rim protector or a rim runner you know, he can kind of step out his mid-range game in the pick and pop and is just like a worker. Like this, this guy works. And during his pro day, I mean, he was like sweating more and working harder than any of the players, you know? And I think that's something that teams appreciate. I think he solidified himself as a top 10 pick. Uh, Jalen Duran, on the other hand, you have to remember he reclassified up. And so he should technically only be entering his freshman year in, in college now, but 
since he reclassified, he was playing younger on a very, you know, it was struggling Memphis team for most of the season playing again with Amani Bates. And like I said, we don't know what his measurements are because he ducked that. And there's a lot of speculation that he's not that six foot 10. He's more of that six, eight and a half, six, nine. And if that comes out, then you're a six, nine center, then how that, that kind of, you know, lowers your, your, your stock as an NBA center. I think he's probably like one of the best passing centers in college basketball, but the, out of a double team, but a, a scout said to me, they're like, yeah, but if you're six, nine and in a double team, how good are you in the NBA? And that's a great point. So I think he could fall a little bit just from his inexperience and, you know, the fact that he ducked his measurements for whatever reason, I still think a great kid off the court. No one ducks their measurements when it's, when there's awesome news. (laughs) Yes. Yes, for sure. But um, yeah, but he, he could grow into something. He's just two years away, you know, from a talent standpoint. So you, Williams kind of solidifying himself as a top 10 pick in the event that he did have an unexpected draft day slide and he's there for the Cavs at 14. Do you feel like he's probably a, like a tier above some of the guys like Atari Eason or just like if the Cavs were to take a best player available approach, would you advocate for taking him in that spot? Or do you feel like because the the tier, there's so many other players in that mix that can address the Cavs need that are similar talent level, similar ceiling. Do, do you feel like they, they should maybe go with Williams in that spot or would you advocate for taking someone at a position of need? I would, I mean, you guys have one of the best front courts, young front courts in the league. Um, it, I don't think it makes sense. It's like, it's mm-hmm. like the Kings drafting guard after guard after guard. <laughs> with their lottery picks like three four years in a row well, it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a quarterback right like where, where you, if you don't have one you just keep taking shots I, until you get that guy in and there I, right? and, I, and honestly i get what you're saying like best available and i mm-hmm. understand that but if you're if you're the Cavs and tari eason and mark williams oh, are still, still our heart we yeah. love tari eason on this podcast and you're, you're, ta- you're taking tari you're taking tari at 14 between those two I was okay. getting ready to ask you about him because um, a bit of an interesting uh, prospect profile, like a lot of weird stuff jumping out. Like on one hand, you look at his stat profile and you go, oh, this guy, how is this guy not a top 10 pick? You look at his athleticism. How is this guy not a top 10 pick? But he had the one year at Cincinnati, then goes to LSU. He's old for a sophomore. He's 20. His draft age is going to be 21. What do you make of him? as a prospect because there's all this conflicting information with them. I don't get the negativity about Tari as a prospect. This is a killer on the court. He's, he's a like great defender can defend positions one through four because of his athleticism. Does this three point shot need work? Yeah. But you can say that about the majority of players coming into the league. Will he do whatever it takes to win a game or to, you know, help his team out. Uh, yeah. And he's, he's super exciting in transition. Like I remember (laughs) there was a guy that asked him, they're like, so, uh, what's your mentality? You know, when you're, when you're in transition, you see that open lane and you dunk the ball so hard. And Tari just looked at him like, what what do you mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, I'm a dog. Like I'm going to, 
I'm going to try to dunk it as hard as I can every time. That's a guaranteed two points. I like that. (laughs) No. And even in his pro day, I want to say like one of his first times down the lane, like his head's at the rim and he, he, you know, he smashes it down and then he looks and he's like, he's art, like he cut his two fingers because he dunked the ball too hard in his first dunk in the pro day. We, so we're still a little scarred when it comes to finger injuries on yeah. the rim. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a little too soon for any of that talk. Yeah, yes. our, our, my 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 brain just flared up. I want to ask: <laughs> Do you think that he can play the three at the next level? Because if you're the Cavs, yeah, you're. Already, I mean, you're playing Laurie Markkinen at the three, so it's not like uh, you, it's not like you need uh, you know uh, an elite ball handler and pick and roll guy. But like, do you think he can play on the wing? Uh, on a on a Cavaliers roster that's built like they are, I do. I I have zero hesitation or problem with Tari at the three, um, and the fact that he is so big and so like his frame is going to fill out even more, even in mismatch situations at the stretch four. Like he'll be able to post up smaller players. I think that really you know will help and give him the advantage on offense. And then, like I said, defensively. I don't think there's a better defensive player in the lottery than Tari Eason. So if you're looking for that defensive presence, like he's going to be the guy to give you solid minutes day in and day out, whether that's off the bench and just coming in for, you know, giving other guys the break. I mean, I, I, I think he is, yeah, he's, he's not going to have any problems adjusting to the NBA level. The stock numbers are amazing when it comes to him. Now, I I think the the one concern that gets brought up when it comes to his defense is kind of the foul rate that because he's such an active defender that he does get called a lot. Do you think that that's something that should be a concern for teams? Or at this point, is it just, hey, that's a lot of activity. The game's called a little bit bit differently in college. And we've seen in the NBA, if you consistently play one style all the time, they're going to let you get away with that contact. I mean, that's basically the signature of how the Toronto Raptors or Miami Heat play. And Draymond Green is a great example of someone that probably does foul on every play, but they've set a precedent. Like, do you think that's something that teams should be concerned about when it comes to Eason? I don't think so. And like you just said, like, it's completely different at the NBA level than at the college level. And I'm sorry, but wouldn't you want a guy who's more active and more aggressive and and having to tell him to bring it back a notch <laughs> than, than a guy that just like, like you a, said, a, uh, that we talked about. Other... Especially a guy that, that has Evan Mobley and Jared Allen to clean up any mistakes he makes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or a guy, you know, we talked, we mentioned Michael Porter Jr. Who's maybe a defensive liability, you know, like mm-hmm. I would much rather invest in someone like Tari Eason, where you have to tell him to dial it back a little bit and teach them, you know, the defensive ropes of the NBA, then trying to get someone to keep a man in front who is struggling. Yeah, no, no kidding. And and the Cavs have seemed to prioritize breaking in high motor, high character, high work ethic guys. I mean, we, we saw uh, before we recorded the podcast, they're already back in Cleveland. You got Garland, Mobley and Allen working out at the Cavs facility. So that's uh, that's warming my heart and, and making me already long for fall when it's just starting to get warm and I'm already waiting for fall. This is awful. Um, there are two guys that I'm really curious to get your take on because your mock uh, after the lottery did have them a little bit lower than some of the other mocks I've seen. And to me, they are some of the most polarizing, but also interesting prospects when it comes to the Cavs at 14. And that's Usman Jang as well mm-hmm. as Jeremy Sohan. 
Um, uh, you look at the defensive highlight reel of Sohan, and my goodness, that guy is a monster. He he is a life ruiner on the defensive end of the floor. Jang, uh, the overall statistics weren't great, but he did have a stronger second half, and you can see the flashes. What's your read of those two prospects, and how would you kind of weigh the evaluation if you were the Cavs at 14? Okay, Jeremy, nobody had a better pro day than Jeremy Sohan. Like, he was unbelievable. Unbelievable in his pro day. That motor's insane. insane. Absolutely insane. Insane. So... When I see, I was like, all right, I had him at 17. That's a mistake. I like, I'm texting my editor. I'm like, I need to put another mock out because I need to move (laughs) Dyson Daniels to six, Jeremy into the top 10, Usman to like 11, 12. Like we, we need to make, (laughs) we need to make some adjustments after seeing them in Chicago. Um, But Jeremy, I think like he's, a team's going to scoop him up in the top Mm -hmm. 10. I know I keep saying that and I'm like, oh, KP, you've said more than 10 players in the top 10. The, but that's a really good up. thing. That the well, we're we're really good you. for the track. You're less so now, than 10 so far. You're good. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, well, maybe Johnny, Johnny Davis or Ochai will be there for you guys at 14. But mm-hmm. Jeremy is a player, like during his pro day, honest to God, like the things he was doing. And you know, you I, I saw him a couple of times at Baylor, so I know who he is on the court, but with the NBA spacing and just the freedom to create for himself. I think that's really going to cater to him. And I think NBA teams really saw that in his pro day and, and what he was able to do in terms of like his, his one, two dribble pull up. He was consistent from three point range. Uh, his, the way he played above the rim, like it was, it was unbelievable. And another thing I asked, <laughs> I asked him, I was like, Jeremy, what, what color is your hair going to be on draft night? And you saw him just like, think about it. He's just like, well, no, I don't think I could tell you that. It's going to be good, though. <laughs> he's waiting for a promise. He's waiting for a promise. Yes, and there's going to be a hat. He's going to have gosh. like a trucker hat on. And then he's going to reveal at, at the same time that Adam Silver calls his name. And I even said to him, I was like, you know, this photo is going to live on the <laughs> Internet forever. Like, don't come on, like, be smart about this. But he's he's like loving every minute of this process. Uh, he looks great. And I'm, I'm excited for him, but yeah, yeah I don't, I, I wanted to ask because I, I look at that guy uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm more on the skeptical side in terms of, you know, I think he's definitely more of a four than a three right now. Uh, just, you know, not a ton of wiggle. Did you see him add to his dribble game at, you know, at this pro day from the college season? Do you feel like he's got a bit more of that playmaking in him than he showed in Baylor? I do. And Baylor is a tough team to be able to showcase that. I want to say it's similar to Florida state and people think that Scotty Barnes essentially came out of nowhere, but it's just the way that the teams, you know, kind of make up their offense. And we, me, me and Jeremy talked about this. I said, were you surprised at the rise that you had, you know, in, in draft boards during the season and everything. And he goes, well, as soon as I had the freedom to, showcase what I'm about in, in games, even if it was just glimpses, I think I took full advantage of it. And I was all about that. So he understood, like he, he understood that he was in a system that didn't necessarily cater to the NBA level, but he wanted to show in glimpses what he could do and produce when he had those opportunities. 
Yeah, and you look, he knocked down 36% of his catch-and-shoot three, so at least there's some potential there. I agree with Carter. Sometimes it looks like he doesn't have the juice, but when you look, especially at those defensive highlights, like I, I felt the same way watching Scotty Barnes last year where I'm like, this guy is like legitimately ruining teams' lives. And he all. didn't athletically test that well either. He didn't have like crazy vertical, but we, Justin and I were both like, this dude enjoys ruining people's life like if you if you were to walk to the y and you saw mobley sohan and allen as like the front court in a pickup game like you take your ball and you go home like that that would be absolutely miserable so he's a guy that i absolutely like if he was there at 14 i would understand taking that swing because there's just like he's an athlete like that's what it really comes down to like he, I, I feel like he's very malleable you can kind of uh help develop different aspects of his game maybe the the playmaking juice isn't there yet to consistently play the three but at the same time the Cavs' needs at the three are different than a lot of other teams now you mentioned jang at 12 and that's really funny because when i was watching the videos on him i messaged carter right away and i said this is the most okc player i have ever seen in my entire life uh can can you give us a little bit of your read on him and why you feel like he's probably going to go in that range it's so crazy like his rise to me like first i just thought it was a mike schmitz jonathan and gavoni like uh you know, their little project that they were trying to push on us <laughs> in terms of like, no, you have to watch this player. He's a lottery. He's a lottery. J- just showing off how much scouting they do. I know. And, and I'm just like, and I watched him in Australia and I'm just like, I don't see it. I don't see it. And that was the beginning of the year. And then like, by the end of the year, I watched two of his last games and I'm like, oh, okay. You see glimpses. Like he's mm-hmm. still so raw. He's kind of like a Jackson Hayes in that sense where like, if you're going to take him at 12 or anywhere, like 11, 12, 13, then you know, you're getting a project. And I've even had teams say to me, they're like, it might even be the thing where, yes, we take them. And then you send them back to the NZ breakers for one more year of development before you bring them on the team. So, because they're going to have to pay out his contract regardless. Um, So I don't know if you stash him in the G league or you send them back and for another year of development, but He's worth investing in because he's going to be a productive player in the NBA, probably one or two years down the road. And mm. another thing, another thing that I have to say, I have to say this because we look at the teams at the top with Oklahoma City getting the number two and number 12 pick, uh, Orlando Magic, Detroit Pistons, even Portland Trailblazers, Indiana Pacers, Sacramento Kings. Do you guys understand that all of these teams? are going to tank again next year <laughs> to try to get Victor Wimbignana. Every single one of them. This is not the be-all, end-all for the NBA. There's going to be one more year where you're going to see 10 teams, probably like in early December, they're going to shut it down and they're going to try to tank for this one player that's coming that's, out of France. That's why I've got beef with the basketball gods. The Cavs were playing honest basketball and they honest did not get... yeoman's work basketball. <laughs> And they didn't get rewarded by the ping pong balls. I, I, as I always say, the Cavs have awful lotto luck. But Terrible. You know what? We're, we're going to survive in advance. We'll find a way through it. I, I completely agree on Jang, and I'm glad that you see the same thing that we see, that, hey, this is going to take some time. Um, I would certainly understand it, just given the Cavs' history of player development, that 
we can stash him. We can be patient. We have a pretty full rotation, assuming that Sexton and Levert and all these guys are back. Um, and depending on the day, like depending on when someone talks to me, I will go back and forth. Sometimes I look at like a Jang or a Sohan that's going to need some time and development. I'm like, take the big swing like that. That's such a special talent. Let's do it. And other times I look at someone like Malachi Branham. I'm like, that boy, nice. Like he is <laughs> such a polished score. Ochai Abaji is such a polished prospect as well. When it comes to Abaji, do you think that there is still more untapped potential when it comes to him? Because I know that's one of the kind of concerns uh, given his age and the just the, the fact that he, yeah, he he's more polished, but doesn't have, crazy playmaking juice or that self-creation um do you think that there is still untapped potential for him once he gets into a pro system and with pro trainers i don't know if he has the upside that a lot of these other guards have but he definitely is probably the best plug and play guy in the late lottery um especially if you're looking for a guy with experience with size and there ha there there has to be something to said about a player that knows how to win and Abaji knows how to win. Clearly they won the national title and he was one of the driving forces for that title run. And so anytime you're wanting to bring a player like that into an already set organization, you know, with an experienced backcourt with Sexton, with DG, I mean, he's just, he's going to be a plug and play guy wherever he lands and he's going to be productive because he's a guy that can, jump in right away and give you solid minutes. I don't think he's going to struggle with the, the, the pace or the physicality of the NBA game because he is on the older side and he's already played four years at Kansas. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like Johnny Davis? Now, he, he's someone that I haven't looked into at all, but when you look at kind of all these risers, Johnny Davis is one that I haven't seen a lot of talk of that seems like he solidified his spot in the top 10 and maybe is potentially a guy if Branham were to jump up and, and mm -hmm. if Dyson Daniels and all these other guys are, are to move in the top 10, maybe he's someone that does slip to the Cavs position. Do you think that he is someone that kind of has the upside uh, of some of these other players that we've talked about? Or is he kind of in that mold of just a safe, solid kind of already defined player? I think, I mean, the jump that he made from his freshman year to sophomore year was insane. And so anytime you see a player make that jump, you know, or you think that they still have room to grow, you know, at the pro level. So I don't think he's as like tapped out or plateaued as much as Obaji has. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a player, like if he falls to 14, like this is a guy, this is a guy that gave Jane Ivy at Purdue you know, he's on the road, he's playing Jay and Ivy at Purdue and he, he put up like 30 something points on him and was the better guard. Now, mind you, Jane told me after the, after the fact that he had the flu. Mm -hmm. So we'll go ahead and give him that. But like, that is still, that was still very, and there were multiple NBA scouts in the building for that game. So that is the, like, if he's at 14 and on the cat, you take him, you definitely take him. He's going to be a great locker room guy. He's going to be a hard worker. He was a quarterback in high school, so he's he's tough as nails, has great hand-eye coordination, great vision in the open court. This Cleveland is, is a football town, so yeah. that that that's definitely going They'll to go. They'll love over that. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I mean, we, we had to fight that with Jalen Suggs last year while we were advocating for Mobley. So right. uh, at least this is one that we would also be on board with, because I, I do think like if you can bring in someone that does have the, that kind of playmaking skill to go alongside some of the other options that Cavs have, um, that that's a really, really exciting proposition. And um, I, I think one of the most encouraging things throughout this draft process is it does seem like there are so many good options. Like I could list taking the centers out of it. I, I can list 13 players that I, I could see going ahead of the Cavs and there's still going to be multiple good options, whether it's Abaji, whether it's Tari Eason. Um, is, is there a kind of a player in that range that you like the most for the Cavs? Like, obviously there's no sure things when you're drafting at 14, but out of Abaji, uh, Eason, Branham, uh, Sohan, like uh, what what's kind of your favorite pick for the Cavs? If you could design how draft night would go. I mean, I'll say this because Madison, our mutual friend who also works on the social team, she's the she best. Said, she's, she's like, we love your pick for us, for us at for Malachi at 14. I was like, I don't think he's going to be there. And she's like, all I want to be able to tweet is just a kid from Akron. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, See, that's, and so that's I, the marketing mind. That That's very, very, very savvy right yes, there. <laughs> yeah. But he would obviously be, I think the best pick for mm. sure. Uh, at 14, if he's not there, then I would probably go to Tari or well, Jeremy Sohan for sure. Um, and then Tari Eason and then uh, Ochai Abaji. That would kind of be like my pecking order if I were the general manager choosing, but I now, had- Now I, what if Jang was there? What what if all oh, somehow yeah. the draft goes okay. absolutely crazy and Jang is there? I would, well. I would take him above Tari Eason. Really? Because okay. I, yeah. I, I think Justin and I would, pr- Justin, is it fair to say you would put Eason over Jang right now? <sighs> I, I think I would just I because, heard him with that one. Yeah, you really did because Jang I, I started talking myself into, but just given the Cavs needs, like I just feel like Tari can step in and maybe it's at the expense of a Lamar Stevens or we, we don't know how it's going to roll out, but I, I feel like he can come in off the bench, provide energy, and really be in a system where his strengths can be accentuated and the the flaws aren't going to be as exposed because they can bring him along at his pace. So to, to me, Tari is really, really exciting. And as, as much as I want to take a swing, I feel like he's a good balance of taking that swing and, and still having some upside while bringing refined NBA skills to the table immediately. I'm not surprised that's your take. And I agree with it. I love Tari Eason. <laughs> that dude's amazing. <laughs> I mean, we want Jeremy Grant. So like, he's basically yeah, Jeremy he, Grant. Like he young looks Jeremy like young Grant. Jeremy Grant. <laughs> um, so when it comes to Malachi Branham, are you concerned? Like if he was there at 14 and the, the storyline kind of layout is there, are you at all concerned with some kind of redundancies or overlap when it comes to like a Karis LeVert or some of the other options that the Cavs have? Or do you feel like the scoring talent is just that refined already at such a young age that you can bring him in and feel good about his odds of just figuring it out. I think he's a player that can figure it out. I mean, what is he only 19? So he's still got (laughs) plenty of years to, to figure it out in terms of like his fit and what his role is on an NBA team. And this is a player, like, like I said, off the court, one of the best, one of the best kids in this draft for sure. Um, I call them kids because 
they are kids to me. Like, like I'm, <laughs> they are really old. In the 19. Okay, I They're know. Kids I to like, me too. Am I am I dating myself by calling them kids? <laughs> um, but he's just a player. Like it's the same when Brooklyn took uh, Cam Thomas last year, and he kind of you know through COVID and through Kyrie being Kyrie and deciding I'm not going to play ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam was able to be a plug and play, but that pick in the first round last year. For Brooklyn, a lot of people are like, well, why would you take a, a heavy shooting guard when you guys already have that in Brooklyn? And it's just like, well, when a player is that good, you just you draft them and they figure it out. They just adapt. And Malachi is the same way. Like if you draft him, he's going to figure out his role with mm-hmm. no problem at all. So the Cavs don't only have the 14th pick. And since you have done so much more work than us, uh, I, I would be remiss if we didn't jump to the second round. The Cavs have oh, the 39th God. pick. They have 39, the, okay. And they have 58. And a guy that's that's mocked them on Tankathon right now at 58 is Andrew Nemhard, who is part of your write-up. Yep. Do you feel like he's a guy who might have played himself into that mid-second round, upper second round at the combine? Or do you think he, he might be a player that actually might be available to them that late in the draft? I know he's an oh. older player, but a big point guard is an interesting kind of swing to take. And also Listen, Canadian. Also Canadian. <laughs> Tyus Jones from the Memphis Grizzlies is about to make a lot of money on being that second rated point guard on a Grizzlies team. He's going to make a lot of money. And I think, you know, three or four years down the road from now, when we look at Andrew Nemhart, he's going to be in that same category. And he's going to play himself into a role where he is the second guy on the team. And he, he only played in one of the scrimmages and he only had to play in one of them because he annihilated everyone on the court. He had 29 points and 11 assists and made it look so easy. Like it was like, he was just out playing pickup at like a 24 hour fitness. Like he, he definitely, I think solidified himself as like a mid second round pick and a team that gets him. They, they know exactly what they're getting in him. Um, just like a solid floor general who can come in and give decent minutes off the bench. And he's going to thrive in that role and be the the best at it and is going to make a lot of money, you know, two or three years down the road when he gets a second contract, like it's, it's, it's going to be a good situation for him regardless. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to be, he's 22 and a half when he's drafted. He's old for sure, but he is damn near six, five, being able to run pick and roll, being able to shoot a pretty decent number at a pretty decent volume from three. He just feels like one of those guys who no one's too enamored with, but whoever drafts him, everyone throws their hands up in the air and goes, ah, we, how did they, how did we let them get him? Cause he, yeah. he just seems like a really interesting second round. Is there anyone else that's kind of firmly in the second round picture that you've kind of, you know, become enamored with as a prospect? Oh my gosh. I mean, uh, so listen, enamored is a, is a tough word to say about any thought, second rounder. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and it was so frustrating at the draft combine because guys like Peyton Watson, uh, Max Christie, uh, who else didn't play? Dalen Terry didn't play like all these guys sat out. And so we couldn't see they were ducking the competition for the combine. And so when you look at someone like that, who could have really helped themselves, like Peyton Watson has great measurements at like six foot eight is a long two guard who can shoot the ball very well, uh, but it's kind of lacked uh, on, on his defense this, this one year at UCLA. Um, 
And it's interesting to me because you look at guys like that and they should have gone back to school, but now they're all in. Um, so that was the most frustrating part of the combine is just watching players that should, or watching them sit on the bench, knowing that they should have played. I thought Michael Foster probably did himself the biggest favor in the world. I think we already talked about him. Um, just in the sense where he like dropped 14 pounds, look great, you know, running up and down and, oh my gosh, how have we not talked about Kenny Lofton jr. Out of Louisiana tech who went head to head with Kofi Coburn, who's like seven foot, 280 pounds. And that matchup during the scrimmage is like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> and this is, this is a guy, Kenny, Kenny has already dropped 50 pounds from the end of the end of the college season. And as a wow. player, um, you know, you look at him and he looks like a defensive lineman and you're like, what are you doing on the basketball court? But he moves way better than you would expect. Um, and the fact that he banged down low with Kofi was, you know, arguably the biggest player in college basketball this last season. I think he did himself probably, I mean, he's, he's going to get drafted for sure. This, this, you know, six foot seven power forward. Like Craig Smith, the rhino. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Now I want to be respectful of your time and we're going to wrap this up soon, but I absolutely have to ask you just because of the local connections, what were, what was your impression of Pete Nance? Because obviously we, we've got the, the Larry Nance and Larry Nance Jr. connection. We're interested. There's another second round pick. Do you think that he did enough to kind of solidify his status as a second round pick? Or do you think maybe think he he'll played. be in that undrafted mix? Did he I think, play? I think he only had a pro day. I do not okay. believe he was invited I, to the combine. Okay. I, no, I think I saw him at the combine. I think I saw Schmitz uh, tweeting about him in like one of the scrimmages. I don't, I don't know. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. we weren't there, but. And any thoughts on Pete Nance? I have zero thoughts on that, Pete that Nance. That is fair. I don't, I don't remember seeing him on the court at all. You know no. what? That, that is perfectly fair, and we love honesty <laughs> on this podcast. I mean, we are, we're honest about how little we know about the draft. That's why we bring on an expert like you. So I appreciate the honesty in return. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on with us, Kristen. We really do appreciate it. Uh, let the listeners know what you have coming up that they uh, should keep their eyes on. Oh my gosh. I mean, my life is over from now until the draft. So, I mean, some draft profiles, obviously a couple more mock drafts. Um, I'm actually, I'm heading down to Houston, Texas for USA basketball, U18. So there are many camps. So always on the road, always covering these players coming up. Um, yeah. And anytime I can, I can talk basketball with anyone. I'm happy to do it. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much. This was really informative. I, I feel more caught up than I was before. And uh, I, you're going to very... hear us stealing your takes uh, on the next pod. If you listen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, that's we're what we to... do. We just glom on other people's draft stuff because we're not smart enough to know it ourselves. We we came up uh, as aggregators. We, we, we know our role in society. <laughs> so thank you so much, Kristen. And a big thanks to all our listeners as well that are tuning in. Uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast you can uh, support us by leave a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of the chase downs exclusive discord chat send a screenshot of that review to chase down at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there until next time go Cavs.